Eagles Entertainment. You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another day, and the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 445. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell to discuss the NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles as they handle business on Sunday night against the San Francisco 49ers. How did the Eagles come away with the win? More importantly, what are Greg's early thoughts on Eagles Chiefs? We're going to dive into that right at the top of the show. Before we get there... Number one, make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen. If you've got a question, if you've got a comment, if you want a rating, leave it there. That's the best way to throw us your support as the Eagles prepare to try and win the Lombardi Trophy for the second time in six seasons. That said, let's talk about that game. It's time now to catch up with Greg Cosell in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, Greg. Well, our first podcast, uh, I would say, was in uh, late July this year, talking about this team, and we agreed back then that this was this was a good team, a team that could contend for the NFC uh, and be in a position where they are right now, and that's in uh, contention to win the Super Bowl. Uh, yes, they are. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's been a pretty unbelievable season. This is a really good team with a really good roster. Yep. I mean, Howie Roseman has done a great job putting together this roster. No doubt. The, the uh, moves that were made on both sides of the ball. The, the quality of the offensive and defensive lines, where a lot of people believe it starts, um, and, and obviously the development of Jalen Hurts. You know, this has really been a pretty special season, and, and hopefully, as as uh, for those who are Eagles fans, uh, hopefully there's one more victory to to come down the pike here. Yeah, and uh, obviously the last offseason, a gift that keeps on giving is the Eagles also have the number ten pick. That is uh, correct. In the upcoming NFL draft, which, by the way. If you are into the NFL draft, you want to know who those players are, make sure you subscribe to the Journey to the Draft podcast because that is kicking into high gear as well. The Senior Bowl uh, beginning, as you're listening to this, uh, the practices are now uh, underway if you're listening to this on Tuesday. But, uh, Greg, before we move to next week's matchup against the Chiefs, we can quickly kind of uh, wrap up what we saw from Sunday. Um, a little bit of a messy game, right? Yeah. From a San Francisco standpoint, right? Uh, you lose Brock Purdy on the opening drive. Then Josh Johnson comes in. The offense kind of falls apart. He had that bad fumble late in the first half. Then he gets hurt. And so, essentially, they're playing with one arm tied behind their back as Brock Purdy comes in. And, uh, you know, the, the pass game was limited as he was dealing with what has now uh, been reported as a torn UCL uh, in torn. his elbow. Yeah, so that's going to be a substantial uh, recovery there for Brock Purdy. He's probably going to miss next season. It's uh, depending on the the rehab. Yeah, it's a, it's a lengthy recovery there from that. So because that's the same injury Bryce Harper had just had surgery for, and I don't believe they say he'll be back till July or yeah. so. Yeah, they, they with baseball, I guess with the amount of torque you put on your elbow, yeah. I think it can be a little bit different. But obviously, a quarterback, a quarterback a, has a little thing. torque yeah, there. Right? Yeah, so, yeah. Ooh. Uh, it's gonna that's a, that's a big one. But um, no, uh. and so that's what the, the game was. It was kind of difficult to break down, right? Because it wasn't like. Uh, how do I say this? It was it was just it was a difficult one to say. Like, oh man, like look at what the Eagles did outside of just dominating in the line of scrimmage. And to me, like that was my big takeaway was uh, the Eagles went into this game and in the in the first half, the offensive line, defensive line really took over, and obviously the defensive front uh, outstanding going up against that San Francisco offense. Yeah, line. I mean, to me that that's and I'm just being honest. You know, I've watched a lot of football. To me, that side of the ball was was 
didn't mean a lot. Yeah. I mean, we know the Eagles have a really good D-line. That's not news from this game. Yep. But it just, I almost felt like when when Josh Johnson came in, and nothing against Josh Johnson, but he's been with, what, 13 teams, 15 teams. He's their fourth quarterback. Uh, he's been around the league. I almost felt like it had a preseason feel to it. Yep. It just didn't really feel like an NFC championship game. And as a football purist, um, I, I would just like to see a better game. But that side of the ball, I just really struggled with. I Just watching it on TV, I kind of felt that it was uninteresting. Yeah. We, but, you know, it's funny. You mentioned the Eagles on offense, and I, and I watched the offense in detail. I didn't – I thought they had individual plays in which they dominated on, with the offensive line, but I didn't think the offensive line – I mean, that's line, a good defense, right? It yeah, wasn't like a complete yeah, drubbing, but yeah. I think that uh, a lot of what they were able to do offensively because of what they were able to do up front. Yeah, and I think – don't forget, as the game progressed and it became evident that the 49ers could not score. Right. I mean, once it got to be 21-7 at the half – to me, the whole the game had a whole different feel to it. Sure. I mean, the Eagles ran the ball reasonably well. Not great. They had a few really good runs, and, and they had some really individual plays where they definitely, the O-line definitely just dominated on yep. individual plays and some really good schemed concepts on that uh, touchdown drive, that long touchdown drive, which, of course, was aided by three penalties. But that long touchdown drive, that 17-yarder by Gainwell and the 13-yard touchdown run by Sanders, great concepts. We can maybe talk about those a little more momentarily. But I felt they had great individual moments, but I don't think... I mean, this wasn't a game where they you know, they averaged five or six yards a rush. Yeah, I mean, they weren't is, just dominating. No, I mean, this is a defense that was the, one of the, the, the yeah. top-run defenses yeah. in the league, and they were the top in terms of points allowed. They were averaging 16 points a game uh, for, over the course of the regular season. And, so. and, and who knows how the game would have played out if Purdy played... I, I, my sense, and I could be dead wrong, this is all speculation. Yeah. My sense is this game would have played out similarly to the Niners Cowboys game a week ago. You know, a game that was really close, hard fought, and maybe the Eagles would have won, maybe they wouldn't have, yeah. but I think it would have played out that way. I, to me, like where I, I struggle with it is that. They couldn't protect, period. They had all their starters in from an offensive mm. line standpoint. And, you know, like, and Dominic Sue got home and injured Josh Johnson. You know, the, Hassan Reddick had his way. And they, that's part of it is that they had to devise what, you know, if you right. know that Brock, you're on QB3, you got to make sure you protect that guy right. and make sure you do what you can uh, to keep. And, Leading up to this, he's 8-0, right, in his first eight starts, and obviously they, they protected him. But going up against the best front uh, in football, they, they could not do that, and that erased them from this game. It right. completely turned it on its head. Yeah, and, and and the Eagles did what they had to do, and yep. they won the game handily. That's the way it played out. Right. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think offensively, the Eagles will have to play better in the Super Bowl yes. than they did against the 49ers. Sure. Yeah, no question. And we can get into um, some of our big takeaways there. I guess, uh, for me, you mentioned the, some of the the RPO elements that we saw uh, in this game. And it was a, certainly a factor on the go-ahead drive, what ended up yep. being the go-ahead yep. drive, uh, where the Eagles scored uh, to make it 14-7 to in the second quarter. Yeah, there's just so many potential plays, let's put it that way, plays when Hertz is in the gun. You know, the, those two runs I mentioned, Gainwell 17 yards, and the Sanders 13-yard touchdown, there's really three plays in one. Now, what you and I don't know is what the specific play call is. It could have just been a straight inside zone handoff, and then it may have been no option whatsoever. We yep. don't know that. But the point is the defense doesn't know that either. And there are really three plays in one that could theoretically happen. The inside zone handoff. The zone read by Jalen Hurts, the Hurts factor is so big in the run game. 
And you had a bubble screen to Dallas Goddard on those plays. And you just don't know as a defense. And you can look at, at, at those two touchdown, the, those two runs, and think that, boy, the 49ers were not aligned properly because it just didn't seem like they had enough people to the side of the run. But they did that on both of those plays, which leads you to believe that they weren't misaligned. That's how they chose to line up yep. versus that look. And they got burned both times. Yeah, I think that's the the element of the Seagulls' offense that makes them so difficult. Yep. Is that you know people typically when you're talking about uh, horizontal stretches, defending all 53 and a third with the, the field, right? Uh, that's typically talking about the pass game. Yep. And I think with this Eagles' run game and the RPO element is that uh, you have to defend every blade of grass from a width standpoint. Because of all the, the things you just brought up, right? So you've got the RPO to one side. You've got the QB run element in the middle of the field. And then you've got the run, the, the actual run game uh, out of that. And so, um, you know, on a number of those plays, I mean, Fred Warner is the best linebacker in football. On that 17-yarder from Kenny Gainwell. He didn't move. He didn't move. He was frozen in place. Uh, on that touchdown with Miles Sanders, um, uh, Gibson, the free safety, didn't move. Right. He, he didn't leave off the office spot because those guys are frozen trying to see where is the ball actually going. It's a shell game time right. and time again. And even on the first touchdown by Sanders, which was great, great uh, duo, double team double blocks, teams whatever outstanding. you want to yeah. call it, yep. uh, up front, you saw Fred Warner, who, if, if the quarterback was not uh, Jalen Hurts, maybe another quarterback that doesn't have athletic movement ability, he may have been able to get into that hole and stop it from being a touchdown. But you could clearly see he's so conscious of Jalen Hurts that he stays basically on the backside of the run mm. and is not in position to defend it. Yeah, there were a number. That was one of those plays where the double teams were outstanding. Yeah. I thought that, I thought the Eagles moved Javon Kinlaw like at all, will all in game, game long. Yeah, that was a, a difficult. And he's run a three hundred fifty fifteen pound man now. Yeah. He's and not a long, small guy. Yeah, they they gave him issues. Yeah. Um, from the jump and it happened yeah. on that opening. Drive. Well, the second play of the game, which was the run got him. when yeah. Warner got hurt, um, boy, they just they just really displaced him. Yeah, my lot got after him yeah. on that play. Uh, that was the first run of the game, yeah. but there were a number of reps. I mean, the the um, uh, the Gainwell play uh, that was Kelsey complete. That wasn't even like a vertical displacement double team. That was uh, you know Kelsey just completely uprooting him off his spot and right, tossing right, him over, over right. the left side. Uh, Kelsey's time playing time at a pretty high level. He is. He's, he's playing outstanding a, a really high level. Yeah, uh, he made some yeah. outstanding blocks in this game. And I mentioned the double teams. And yeah. that's, uh, Mylotta, Dickerson, Kelsey, uh, everybody, you know, say Malu, Lane Johnson, everybody's contributing uh, from that standpoint. Uh, real quickly, just uh, offensively, the other big player I want to, and big play in the game that I want to kind of bring up first drive. Devontae Smith on fourth and three uh, makes that catch down the left sideline. It was a scramble drill, second reaction play from Jalen Hurts. Uh, replays later show that... What, what, what catch are you referring to? <clears throat> well, that's the thing. Yeah. Is that replays later show that that, was, that sh- should have been called incomplete on You're the field. Correct. But Devontae Smith having the wherewithal right. to stand up and immediately say, tempo, tempo, tempo. We got to grunt and right, understand. Right, and Nick right. Sirianni talked about this after the game was... We rep that. We practice that kind of stuff. Uh, and we talk about this in meetings is that that situational awareness shows up. And that's why, you know, you talk about this team last week, you and I discussed, you know, the their best players on <coughs> offense, their skill players. Right. So many plays against the Giants where you see Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard all blocking out in front, doing the little things, the dirty work for other players. And then also having that situational awareness from a lot of your best players, that's just a hallmark of a really well-coached team. I would agree. Yeah. No, it was really smart, and uh, it should have been a giveaway to the Niners, but it wasn't. Yep. And we they continued playing. But uh, And you know what? You could argue that was the biggest play in the game. Yeah. Right, and that's the thing that completely changes the the scope of this early on, without um, question. And so, to me, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to make sure we got through, didn't yeah. talk, didn't get through this game without bringing up yep. that individual play, yep. which happened on the opening drive. Yeah, it sure did. Uh, a huge play there from Devontae Smith. That said, 
Let's talk through this matchup. This is going to be a fun one. Uh, it should be. You, you've, I know you've watched, uh, you've got copious notes. I do. Uh, well, I'm sure I, and the Chiefs I'm very familiar with. Yeah, so you, you watch every rep of the yeah, Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, you've watched every snap of the Eagles, obviously, on both sides of the ball. And so I thought, you know what, there's going to be two weeks of prep here for this game. A lot of people are going to be talking about this matchup. Let's kind of set the table with your analysis of this game. And we'll start uh, Eagles offense against Steve Spagnuolo and the, uh, and the Chiefs defense. And I think that a lot of people will think of Spags and the, the identity that they have kind of established in Kansas City, especially over the last few years, and say, heavy blitz, heavy man-to-man coverage. And that has not necessarily no, been their identity here this year. No, it has not. They've played less. Now, don't forget. Even when Legereus Sneed, who got hurt yesterday um, or, uh, in the uh, early in the game, he yep. played four snaps. Yep. Still waiting um, to see what. And the we deal don't know what there. his yeah. status is, yep. but but when he got hurt, they ended up in their dime package, and they played dime about twenty five percent of their snaps, which is second or third highest percentage of dime in the National Football League. They were playing with four rookies. Yep. So even when Sneed is in there, when they go dime, they're playing with three rookies. Okay, so. And real quick, those rookies. Uh, so Trent McDuffie, first-round yep. pick out of Washington. Yep. They took him 21st overall. I've had a lot of fun watching him. Um, He's a good player. Good player. He's playing a lot in the slot. Uh, 5'11", 195 pounds. Um, he really looks like Avante out there in terms of the way that he's built, the way that he plays. Uh, plays against the run. He'll blitz a little yep. bit. He, he plays really smart in coverage. Uh, I really have enjoyed watching uh, Trent McDuffie, again, playing mostly in the slot. Jalen Watson is a big corner, seventh-round pick out of Washington State. Six foot two, 197 pounds. He's played a lot of football for oh. them this year. Um, I would say, like, speed and athleticism, not necessarily like a huge strength of his game, but he's got that size and length yep. to be able to contend with. It seemed like they were you know, happy with that matchup, he and T. Higgins, for the majority of that game on Sunday. So um, that's a, a matchup to be able to watch here uh, in this game. And then uh, Joshua Williams, another big-bodied corner. He was actually drafted in the fourth round, uh, just hasn't, has not been seeing the same Small amount of time as kid. Watson. Yeah, Fayetteville State, six foot three, 193 pounds. I remember seeing him a year ago at the Senior Bowl and being really impressed with a guy that big <coughs> that moves as well as he does. Developmental player coming from a lower level of competition, but uh, those Three rookies have played a ton at corner, and then Brian Cook, who was a second-round pick. Who I this really year. liked. I was, yeah, you and I both really liked yeah. Cook. Um, kind of a do-everything safety, a little bit undersized, but really tough, instinctive. Six-one-two-zero-six. Uh, he plays a, a lot in their dime defense. So all four of these DBs are seeing a lot of time. So here. we don't know if the reason they they have not played as much man as we've seen from Steve Spagnolo in the past is because of the rookies. It mm. may well be, yep. but they have not played as much man and they've not been quite as aggressive with pressure as we also expect a Steve Spagnolo defense to be. So it's been more zone, less pressure. And don't forget, they've got a really good defensive front. They're still able to pressure quarterbacks. They have one of the highest pressure rates in the NFL, Fran, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you, you may have that number and have that information. So they 14th in pressure, but they finished fifth in sack percentage. Right. So that, a group, but when they get back there, yes. they're really good finishers. And Chris yes. Jones certainly at the top of that list. Yeah, and and but they have other players as well yes. in their front. Um, they have Frank Clark, who I remember you and I we disagreed a little bit about him coming out of Michigan. You turned out to be right. I liked him. A little you know, more you than liked you did, him yeah. more than I did, and you were right. And he's turned out to be a very good player in the NFL. And then Michael Dana, you know, people probably mm. don't know much about him. He played three years, I believe, at, was it Michigan. Eastern Michigan? Yeah, yeah, all right, then, yep. And yep. then he played his Moved final year Michigan. in Michigan. I think it was at Central. I believe was it was at Central. Central. I believe yeah, it was okay. at Central Michigan, if I remember I'm right. I'm sure Michigan people probably hate me for saying that because I, I didn't know which one. Can but. you tell me the uh, the cities for the directional Michigan schools? Western Michigan, Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan. Can you name one of the three? 
Oh, I would be that would be impressive if you could pull one of the three. Uh, I only know this because working at Temple, playing in the MAC, we played those schools. So yeah, I, uh, I used to. And have I'm Kalamazoo, fr- Michigan. Kalamazoo, Ka- right? Kalamazoo. Can you guess which one that one is? No. That would be a Western. That would be a Western that, Michigan that, Broncos. Western? Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, Ypsilanti, Michigan. Ypsilanti. Is, uh, Eastern Michigan, yep. just in the uh, in the Lansing area. Uh, and then you've got um, uh, Central Michigan is. Oh, man, that one's going to kill me. Oh, uh, man, I'm going to have to look well, that one up. The point but, is, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah I Michael believe he came from Central Michigan. Michael Dan is a really good player. Yes. And he plays Mount ins- Pleasant. Mount Pleasant. And Michigan. he plays inside and outside. Yes. Who are the Chippewas? The ch- that's, that's, the, that's CMU. That's the okay. fire, fire up chips is okay, uh, okay. what they say over and over. Yes. <clears throat> um, and he's a really good player, too. And then they still have Carlos Dunlap, who's been around this league a long yep. time and is still a productive player. He's kind of like, he's like that first guy off the bench you know, yeah. coming in off the edge for them, yes. Yeah, and and... So their their four man D line pass rush is very very good, and when they get into dime, they pretty much like to create one on one. So what they'll often do is they go with two wide nines and two kind of four eye techniques, which mm. means that those two defensive tackles are kind of lined up just inside the the offensive tackles. Yep. So it's very hard for the offensive center to help because of where these guys are lined up with their pass rush front. And they're really good. And Chris Jones, he can wreck your game. Mm. And we know how good the Eagles offensive line is. So this is, you know, you, we talked about this matchup and how fun it could be. This is just one element that I think is really going to be fun to watch. What, what are your thoughts on George Karlaftis so far? Uh, first round pick out of yeah. Purdue. Uh, he was drafted 30th overall yeah. at the end of the first round by the Chiefs. I know he's um, he's played a lot early on, and now they've kind of really centralized and focal, focused in his role a little bit. He's played yes. a little bit more inside. Uh, what have you? Which seen is what I thought he would be when yeah. he came out. Yep. I didn't think he'd be an edge pass rusher in a strict sense. You know, he's gotten some sacks. Start I think, on the edge and then kick right, inside. And then right. The I think he's probably right. got seven or eight sacks or yep. nine sacks. Um, not, not a great explosive athlete to me, a strong player, yep. but I think it makes more sense for him to work inside. At times, they'll even line him up as a zero technique yep. over the center when they sometimes will go with a 3-2-6 dime front and he'll be the uh, the zero technique and Chris Jones will be the wide nine along with Frank Clark. Mm. Uh, Jones had a sack as a, as a wide nine this past week. He only, he only played out there maybe five or six snaps this week, but they, would, they will put him out there. It's very possible you could see him out there against Lane Johnson because Lane Johnson, even though I think he's played really well with the injury, you know, you still want to test that. I wonder if they'll test him from a bull rush standpoint. That's what I mean. Because Chris Jones is 320 pounds. Yeah. And so his, his first step is so, so impressive. uh, Chris Jones. But see, now you get the Hertz factor again, because I'm sure a lot of people are saying, well, Lane Johnson did a great job on Nick Bosa. Mm -hmm. But when you watch the tape, you see exactly what the 49ers were doing. The 49ers did not want their defensive ends to go past with their rush. They did not want him to go past Jalen Hurts. So a lot of times Bosa would stop himself because he didn't want to run past. So it's no knock on Lane Johnson, but it wasn't as if he just ate him up individually. That was by design with what the 49ers did. Mm -hmm. And it actually worked because Jalen Hurts early in the game, you know, he broke down a number of times in the pocket. Uh, he, He tried to get out to his right and he ended up sort of running backwards. So that was actually an effective tactic that they used. We'll see what the Chiefs do. Yeah, you mentioned uh, what they like to do with Chris Jones in terms of trying to find that yep, one-on-one yep. matchup. They're willing to move him around. Um, it seems like one of the pass rush fronts that they really kind of lean into. They spread everybody out. You know, two wide nine techniques, two four eye techniques. Mm. They essentially head up over the tackle, and then they'll bring the linebacker Nick they'll bring Bolton, Bolton up, up to right kind over of, the center, uh, and they, they'll right. just kind of operate from that, especially on third down. Yeah, you know, that's exactly what I was saying with that pass rush front, yep. and the center really can't help. You know, when you're in that front, so. Yeah. 
That's one thing they really like to do. They don't stun a lot. Yep. Uh, although they've been successful when they've done it's it. It's very similar to the Eagles yeah. where they don't yeah. stunt often. When they do, they're pretty effective. They've got guys that, I mean, Frank Clark has always been really good on stunts. Chris yep. Jones with his movement is really good on stunts. Carlos Dunlap, I remember uh, some of the stunts that he'd run in Cincinnati when he was coming out. He was a really good uh, yeah. stunt player as a pinner and a looper. So uh, having those guys certainly helps. I think it will be interesting to see, you know, because this is a team that likes to play in sub, um, you know, so they'll play in nickel. They're a big dime yep. team. Uh, and when they go into dime, and clearly, you know, most of the time it's going to be in a pass situation, but I'll be interested if it's, Third and four, and they come out and dime. They like to play Dana inside. They yeah. like to oh, play Dana plays Carl, inside. Carl yeah. Yeah. inside. Yeah. If that's the case, like that, uh, to me, I wonder if the Eagles might run against those looks, especially like third and medium situation where well. you might look at it as a four down territory. Hey, you know what? If we can get potentially like three or four yards, but if we could turn into an explosive here, it might be worth trying to risk. Well, it going it's interesting you say territory. that because obviously it'll be interesting to see it. If they play that as much as they normally do, right. because look what happened last week on a third down when Burrow just took the ball and right. ran right up the middle on yep. a third down play and yep. gained what twelve, thirteen yards. Immediately took off. He up immediately the took off. Yep. And and my guess is he, I don't want to say he did that on his own. We don't know the answer to that. Yeah. We don't know whether that was a called play based on the fact that they anticipated getting that front or not. We don't know that. Yep. But the point is, with Jalen Hurts, you have to be much more aware of those kinds of plays than with mm. Joe Burrow. Uh, so I feel like that's it's going to be really interesting to just see how they decide to deploy these guys up front. And it'll yeah. be one of the big matchups in the game because we know this offensive line with the Eagles has been one of their strengths. Uh, you can pick in some of the individual matchups, but honestly, the way they move these guys around, I don't think it's going to be one pinpoint. Like, I, uh, you know, Nick Bosa versus Lane Johnson. It, right, it's not right, going to be right, that kind right. of a game, uh, no, game here. No, they, they, they're going to move guys they're around. They're a little more multiple up front. Yeah, um, that makes it fun. You know, the question is then becomes how much zone, how much man. Yep. You know, because they played more zone than man. Um, but Spags does play man, and how will they feel about matching up on the outside? Yep. You know, um, it's very possible they could keep Sneed on the outside. If he can go, even when they go to their sub, whether yep. it's nickel or dime, if Sneed stays on the outside to match up to either Brown or Smith as opposed to moving inside and move McDuffie inside, mm. which they've done. McDuffie played inside this yep. week. Yep. One thing I'm interested in, I want to get your thoughts here, knowing their corners, and we don't know this, right. the situation with Sneed, right? But uh, knowing the, the, the corners that they have going up against these Eagles receivers, number one in the league, Still in press coverage now. They're, even though they're playing a little bit less man, uh, they love to get those guys up at the line of scrimmage and challenge they're big. you. Yeah, it's a it's a big group. So, yeah. um, do you think that that's something they will try and do here against AJ Brown and Devontae Smith? Yes, mm. um, Brown in particular, because you just don't want to give Brown those easy slant throws, those yep. easy in breaking route throws. Yeah, you know that's a major part of what the Eagles do and. How many times this year, and it takes nothing away from the Eagles, but how many times this year have we just seen Brown wide open on those inbreakers? I mean, you no just one, can't, no, literally no one in the NFL has more yardage on slants than A.J. Brown. Yeah, you just can't give him those. Yep. I mean, you know, once in a while, do you? Sure, depending on the situation, feel, you know, down in distance, <clears throat> feel location, but you can't just give him those all game long. Yeah, it wasn't a super physical jam, but first play of the game, uh, the uh, I believe it was Ward was up on, right. on A.J. Brown yep. uh, in that game on Sunday. It was a great release from A.J. He kind of stuttered outside, got the corner to turn towards the sideline, and then broke back in and was wide open on the slant uh, for the on the first throw of the game. Yep. Uh, but I, I wonder if that'll be something we'll see here from the Chiefs, if they will try and challenge and be a little bit more physical sure. at the line of scrimmage. Because that's kind of been their M.O. Yeah. Um, real quickly, it's, we talk about Sneed with the injury. Your thoughts on just him as a player overall. What is that he like as a matchup standpoint? Uh, I think he's a good AJ. player. Yeah. Um, now, again, there was a stretch this year, you know, he went outside and McDuffie went inside. And I'm sure some of it had to do with matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, but... 
He's been a versatile player. He's been going a, back to Louisiana Tech, yeah. he played all three positions yeah. in the secondary. Yeah, I mean, he, he's got pretty good size. Yep. He's physical. He's really good against the run. Yeah. Um, so, no, I think Snead's a really good player. He's He was one of those draft picks by by Brent Veach that's really good because he was a fourth-round pick, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. What are your thoughts on the safety tandem? Uh, so you have Juan Thornhill, who he's another guy, converted college corner at Virginia, uh, made the move to safety. Really liked his him career. coming out. Really liked him coming out as well. Um, he's been in and out of the starting lineup, but has always been kind of a key factor in their sub package regardless. And right. This year has become an every-down player for them. And And Justin Reed. Reed's really good and important. I wanted to get, I almost that's why I wanted to ask you about him separate because of okay. what they do with him in dime. Yeah. Um I think their safeties are good. And I think when Cook's in as a dime, they they have a really good three safety tandem. Yeah. So Cook will come in and when he comes in in dime, he's playing from depth. They take Reed and they put him into the box. He's a tight end matchup. He's guy. the tight end matchup. What are your thoughts Correct. there? I guess you'll see him when they're in dime on Dallas Goddard. M- more often than not. Every right. once in a while They'll mix it, it up, could yeah. be Cook. Um <clears throat> But mostly it's Reed. Now, Reed went to Stanford, and I know for a fact, because I knew someone on the Stanford staff, that if Reed had stayed at Stanford for his senior year, he obviously came out, mm. they were going to move him to corner. They thought he was that skilled. Yeah. So that's, so he's a good tight end matchup. He's big, and he's got corner skills. So that is a good tight end matchup when they play man. They play a lot of two-man coverage. Right. Now, the question yep. is, will they play that against Jalen Hurts? Yep. And and if they do, will they then try to have some kind of spy? Well, you know, what will they do? You know, will they maybe go? I wonder who their spy. If they did, I mean, do you, from what you've seen from Nick Bolton, who I, I loved Nick Bolton coming out of Missouri right. last year. Yep. So he's their uh, second year yep. middle linebacker. I believe their leading tackler on the year. Um, would he be a guy that you would feel comfortable with well, as a spy? It on makes Hertz? me wonder if they would go more with a three-two-six dime at times. Not every time. Because Willie Gay, the other linebacker, he's probably got a little bit more juice athletically. Yeah. So you know, yeah, if they go three-two-six, one of those linebackers could, you know, could be a spy because yeah. at least you have an athlete who's a spy. It's a good point. Yep. So you know, I'm not saying you'll see it every time. No team does the same thing every time. Yep. But you could see some three-two-six, which mm. they do play. Yep. And and this way they get the two linebackers on the field. Willie Gay, a part of their pressure package as well. We saw that as well. Right. Early on in yep. this game, uh, yep. where they put him down off the edge, and he yep. kind of r- rushed off that right side. They were giving the right tackle. They were throwing a bunch of things at the right tackle yeah. energy from the bench. He's um, a pretty explosive athlete, Willie Gay. Willie Gay. I mean, yeah. he tested like an absolute. Free I know. Show, uh, yeah. In the pre-draft process. Yes. Uh, big kid at 6'2", I want to say he's 6'2", over 235, 6'1", 235. He ran exceptionally well, as I recall. Yeah. Uh, so he's like the height, weight, speed, like phenom. Right, right. And Nick Bolton, he's 5'11", 237. He's just he's like, a good player. He's a really good player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's so good through contact. Yep. He sees the game really well. Yep. Um, he plays downhill very well, but also he's got some instincts in reverse as well. What are your thoughts in terms of uh, Nick Bolton and his impact on this game? Yeah, and and they use him a lot to sort of create the 101s because he's really good at sort of jumping in and out, yep. forcing the center to have to account for him in pass protection. Um, and I think he's re- he's really good laterally in the run game. He mm-hmm. navigates through traffic exceptionally well. He's a clean tackler. Nick Bolton's just a really good player. You know, we talked about the matchup against the 49ers defense a week ago, and it was like, all right, look, the, the 49ers, they're really good uh, in a lot of key areas. With the, with the Chiefs, from a st- from a statistical standpoint, that has not really been the case. They they have not been uh, a super efficient no. team. Uh, you know they've had they've had some injuries that they've dealt with, but uh, they've given up big plays. They're awful in the red zone. They, they in terms of uh, their, their touchdown ratio down there inside the twenty. Um, they're middle of the pack and like third down and points per game. A lot of the key stats that you would look at. So I do think that there's going to be opportunities here uh, for the Eagles in this game. But you you've got to be able to capitalize. You mentioned it earlier when we were talking about the performance the, this past Sunday. The Eagles. You want the Eagles' offense to operate at a more efficient clip. Right. 
right. than what we saw this past week against a great 49ers Yeah, because defense. they took some deep shots and they didn't convert. And they you didn't can't, convert there. And yeah. you can't can count on those to be yeah. a significant part of your offense on a week-to-week basis. Right. We probably all got a little mesmerized in that stretch, Fran, of what, five, six, seven games where it seemed like they were hitting two or three deep shots every week. Yep. And that's great. And, and Jalen's been a really good deep ball thrower this year. This past week, I think they took three and they missed them. Mm. You know, and, and some were well covered. A couple were underthrown. You know, you can't count on those. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a, a fun matchup from that standpoint. Yeah. Again, we're going to be breaking it down a lot here uh, over the next couple of weeks on the podcast. Let's go now over to uh, the other side of the ball. We've got, we've got some players you might have heard of uh, over there. It's uh, Patrick Mahomes. We'll start with the... He's pretty good. The, 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 he's got a shot yeah, to be yeah. pretty good, I think. Um, Ma- you know, Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes is really impressive. Mahomes, you know, the the two things I'd say that stand out to me among many, but the two things that continually stand out to me are spatial awareness and vision. Mm. I mean, he just knows where everybody is. He moves. A lot of times he moves when you think he doesn't have to. Like if we were evaluating him coming out of college, which which we did, which we did <laughs> and we, and we thought this would be a problem, yep. um, which coaches did, by the way, yeah, as well, no which doubt. of course sounds silly now, but that's the way it works. Um if he was Patrick Mahomes, he wouldn't have gone number 10. He would have gone number one. Right, right. If exactly. Knew, right, like exactly. He would have been the number one pick, no right. question about it. Right, Um, But he just, when he moves, has such a feeling for space and people around him. He knows where everybody is. He knows where his players are. He has tremendous vision. Yep. And um, he, he's just special in that regard, really special. What's fascinating is, you know, this is a group uh, that obviously you lose Tyreek Hill. So what is the image of this offense going to be? Are they going to attack down uh, downfield as often? Uh, is the, the well, structure don't. of the offense going to change? They don't attack they downfield don't. nearly as often. It's not a vertical offense. So the, the offense that came to Lincoln Financial Field last week, last year in week four. It's not the same one. It is not the same scheme. They are still at the top of the NFL in basically every offensive metric. So they are just absolutely crushing people uh, from a points per game standpoint. All third down, red zone, EPA per play, yards per play. You go down pretty much any list is going to have them one, two, or three in every major statistical category. They're just doing it differently this year, and that's what makes it so impressive that uh, Patrick Mahomes has shown he can win in multiple ways. This year, it's been much more, hey, underneath, I'm going to be an assassin from the pocket. I'm going to pick you apart, uh, and I'm going to make some plays. I'm going to run around and make some plays. I'm going to make those plays outside of structure, but if you're going to play too deep and try and take it away, and, oh, we don't have Tyreek Hill, that's fine. I'm going to find other ways to be able to carve you up underneath. No, and and I mean, obviously, Mahomes is not just good when he moves. He's he's really good from the pocket as well. So he's just a complete special quarterback, and he's a tough matchup for anyone. Um, and he's a tough guy to get on the ground. Yes. That's the thing. I mean, you know, the Eagles have a really good pass rush. We know that. Um, but a couple, to me, a couple of points need to be made about the um, the offense for the Chiefs. Okay. They have really evolved as this season has progressed into a multiple tight end offense. Yes. And people might not be aware of that. But they are... In the regular season, I think they were second or third in the NFL in terms of playing out of either twelve two, personnel. The twelve personnel they finished third in the league this year. Yeah, but if you add in thirteen add in personnel, 13, yeah, right. they might be first yep. because they play with thirteen personnel as well. And Jody Fortson is back, yep. and Jody Fortson is really a big wide receiver who's a tight end. Yep. So last week, this past week in the in the uh, AFC Championship game. Um, what they did was they they played out of 12 and 13 personnel on more than 50% of their offensive snaps. 
Now, maybe they did that because of Mahomes, you know, having a bad ankle. We don't know the answer. Yeah. But the point is, how will the Eagles defend that? Will the Eagles stay with their 5-2 base or will they f- treat Kelsey like a wide receiver? I think that is the first question that Jonathan Gannon in the defense has to answer. How will they match up from a personnel standpoint? Yeah, I, and that's kind of the – it's in the inverse, what we talked about last week in terms of San Francisco and the challenges they presented from that 21 personnel set. Right. You're doing it a little bit differently right. just because of what Travis Kelsey is, the ways that he can beat you. You almost have to treat him from a personnel standpoint, a matchup standpoint, as a big receiver because even though they have shown the propensity to run the ball at a higher clip this year and they've been really effective, especially under center, yep. um, you still have to be able to respect what he can do at the intermediate area. Of the field. Without question. And even Noah Gray, the Duke kid, he's yeah, not on He's yeah. not unathletic. 6'3", 240. Uh, he nice moves pretty back. good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Fortson, uh, you mentioned him. He was a, a wide receiver at Valdosta State. Yep. He actually caught a, a touchdown against the Eagles last year down in the red zone uh, where you saw that athleticism on display. Uh, Blake Bell, who just came back from injury, he's a converted quarterback. The belldozer at Oklahoma. Right, right. Uh, he was known for his movement when he was there. He was kind of so, running I mean, quarterback. You know, just because they're in 12 personnel or even 13 personnel, it, that's the first question that needs to be answered. What will the Eagles do from a personnel standpoint on the defensive side of the ball? Now, at wide receiver, they don't have Tyreek Hill. No. But it's a very interesting kind of like, uh, uh, what's the word? Like a very versatile group right. in that each guy has a very specific set of skills that we know Andy Reid, like he's going to find ways to be able to, yep. be able to deploy that skill set. We'll start um, with probably the biggest name of the group, and that's Juju Smith-Schuster, the former second-round pick from Pittsburgh, uh, who uh, the Eagle, or the Chiefs brought in this offseason. And um, he came through for them. It was a really, really solid weapon for them in the past game. Yeah, and he's a guy that can line up both outside and inside. He's probably most effective inside. Works the middle of the field really well. Big body, catches the ball. Has some vertical ability, but not a true vertical threat. Um, he's, I think he's a good receiver. Now, I know he got hurt uh, but is, uh, and, and did not play down the stretch. Yeah, we got to figure that's the, yeah, it's yeah. a little early uh, yeah. in terms of figuring out what's the deal. A bunch of these receivers, to be honest, yeah. uh, we got to figure that out. Um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, they also brought in free agency. Yeah, and he here. can run. Big ver- big time yeah. vertical threat, uh, and that's the thing is that you know he he's uh, kind of similar to a Quez Watkins in terms of skill set for, for Eagles fans that aren't familiar with uh, with MVS. Except he's bigger. Yeah, he's six four two oh six. And, and this year, I think he's caught the ball better than I than he did in Green Bay. Right. He hasn't had his you know in Green Bay. He always had drops. Yep. He hasn't. He's made some tough. He made a really tough catch this week mm. on a, on what was not really a good Mahomes throw where he ran kind of the sail route yep, yep. and he had to reach back for the ball. They came back to the same route later in the game. Mahomes made a better throw. Yep. Uh, it's, uh, so you, got, you have to be able to contend with his speed. He's the vertical threat, the yep. vertical dimension uh, in this offense. Kadarius Toney, uh, former, uh, former first-round pick last year in 2021 by the New York Giants. Uh, they traded a third-round yep. pick for him uh, this, uh, this, uh, this season. And look, this kid is is lightning fast. He makes movements with his body that you just don't see. They're kind of abnormal. Um, but it, it, he just can't stay on the field. That's been the big thing. Yeah, uh, it's just being able to keep him on the field. And uh, again, got kind of dinged up yesterday. And so, all right, well, what is it, what what's it going to look like two weeks from now? My guess is he'll be ready to go, but I just don't know. He's a tough matchup. Yeah, he's a really tough matchup. Yeah, and so that'll be a big one there. One guy who I want to get your thoughts on, another guy with uh, some Philly connections here, Justin Watson, um, a former uh, star at Penn, uh, at UPenn, 6'2", 215, tested out of this world. Yeah, did not play in the AFC Championship game, was sick. Yes. But he'll be ready for And they they obviously like him because he plays a lot of snaps. He's played a lot for them. He was with Tampa Bay the last yep. few years, uh, won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady and the Bucks, and has become a much bigger piece for this passing game than people and, would have assumed. And, and he has vertical ability as well. He does. 
does. He, like I said, he tested out of this world yeah. coming out of Penn. And, and he's big. You know, a lot of those, and, and I had to learn this when I started evaluating college players years and years ago, that sometimes these big guys, you know, even if they don't, t- I mean, he tested well, but sometimes these big guys, even if they don't run a fast run 40, four, five, six, yeah, right. because their stride length and just their overall length, they're better vertical threats than you think. Right. Uh, and then uh, another vertical guy that you know has the ability to take the top off, Mikael Hardman, a former second-round yeah. pick. Uh, he's not a big body, 5'10", no, 187, no, no. but uh, he's got some juice and yep. will do a lot of the gadget stuff that they did with Tyree Hill. And that's the thing is like when you start you know look at all these different pieces that they brought in, you say, okay – how do you replace Tyree Kill? All right, well, the vertical stuff, we're going to give that to MVS. And right. some of the uh, uh, some of the, the slot reps, we're going to give that to Tony. And then the gadgety stuff in the backfield, we're going to give that to Mikko Hardman. And at the end of the day, it all comes out in the wash. And one of the things Andy Reid does exceptionally well and has for years is he takes basic concepts, route concepts, and just gets to them in different ways. Mm. So he presents it differently to the defense from a personnel and formation standpoint, but they're just basic concepts. You know, they run flood, a three-level stretch concept where there's three level routes to the same side of the field. There's a vertical, there's an intermediate, and there's a flat route. He'll get to that in all different ways. And more often than not, it's Travis Kelsey, who's the intermediate route runner in that flood or three-level stretch concept. And he catches a ton of balls in that concept. Yeah. Uh, To me, it would be... It'll be very interesting because last week we talked about trying to match up to this personnel grouping with the 49ers. That 21 personnel, right. how are the Eagles going to match up? What are they going to different? What are they going to do? All the all the motions, and you're dealing with a lot of motion here. Yes, they uh, are with, with, with the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's going to be once again an issue. And I do feel like you know at the end of the day. You get, you get a sense of what the personnel grouping is, whether it's 12 personnel, 11 personnel, 13 personnel, whatever it is, and now the roll deck starts. You're like, all right, what are the, the right. concepts we typically see from 12, what we typically see from 13, from 11? And now you're, you're looking at formationally. I think if you start worrying about who's here at number two, who's here at number three, Can't who's here at number like one, well, against this kind of team, just like last week, yeah. that, that's, where the, yeah. that's where you start We've getting into We've talked about in, in, in that. In you can't get caught up in the idea that, you know, well, if they do this, we'll do this. If they do this, we'll do this. But if they do this, we'll do that. No, if they do this, we'll do that. You can't play like that. Yeah. So you have to have maybe two or three things that you specifically react to based on your film study mm. that you know is a strong tendency. There's going to be a couple of those things. Yep. Those things you specifically react to. Be ready for the flood concept right, you know, right. from, from but, this personnel grouping. But then yeah, if yeah, you yeah, start yeah. seeing a lot of different formations and a lot of different shifts and motions, then you have to play by your rules and your techniques yep. and, and just line up and play. Because otherwise, your defensive players are thinking the game and not playing the game, and that's always a problem. Yeah, I feel like we need to do a podcast. Maybe, maybe it's an off-season project where we do like the uh, the, the rules of Rod Rust, uh, who uh, right, you know, right. was well, one of your tutors where, when it comes to cover four yeah, and playing yeah, zone defense. Yeah, uh, that could yeah. be a fun discussion. Um, but I think when you're looking at the way to defend this group, I think you kind of have to operate that way. Because that's the thing. We just went through that long list. We didn't even talk about the, the rookie second-round pick, Sky Moore, another guy who Who's yeah, he's playing more. I don't think he's had a big impact this no. year, but he's playing more. But that's the thing is, like, since he's playing as well, like that's six receivers, and then you have the four tight ends. So yeah, like all, and not all of these guys are going to be like even active when we get to next Sunday, right? right? Like they might be, and obviously but, they're like, not all volume target right. receivers. But you have to be like, ready <laughs> right. for like anything that those guys are going right. to throw at you because we know that Andy Reid can, you know, when he gets into the lab, he can be very game plan specific um, from that standpoint yeah. and, and can make you pay. Uh, and, and they're running the ball a little bit more this year. They have Isaac Pacheco. Now I want to talk we, through that. Yes. Yeah, we haven't even Another mentioned rookie. McKinnon, yeah. who has been a 
big, big factor in the passing game over the last eight, nine, ten weeks, and particularly in the red zone and just yeah. outside the red zone. He has been a big factor. He's running rail routes. He's running, yep. he's running sail routes from the backfield. They're doing a lot with him. They work know, from, him through the formation yes. at times. Yep. That's that's hard to deal with. We talked about that with McCaffrey last week. Yep. You have to contend with that with, yep. with uh, Jarek McKinnon here in this matchup. And uh, Pacheco, I mean, he has been a, a really angry He's a runner. hard runner. South Jersey kid uh, from Vineland, Vineland right across yep. the bridge. Yeah. Uh, went to Rutgers and was a seventh round pick by, uh, for the uh, for the Chiefs this year. And the kid just runs hard. He runs angry. Um, and even though the, the catch is in the flat, he had a couple this past yeah. week against Cincinnati where uh, you get him the ball in space and he's just looking for someone to punish. Yeah, he is. He, he you know, if you describe him when you're, when you're scouting him and evaluating him, you'd say he's probably a little stiff. He's yeah. not a loose-hipped guy, but I tell you what, he runs really hard, he's and he is tough. The bull, bull in a china and shop. he is tough to bring down. Yep. I mean, he's he's a good 220, 220 pounds. He's not a little guy, right? Yeah, he's he's listed two sixteen, but he play he looks yeah. even bigger. Yeah, than that. yeah, um, yeah. And that's so you got to contend with those two kind of conflicting styles. And McKinnon's been in the league for a long time, and he was a, a third round pick way back in twenty fourteen. He was a college uh, quarterback, college quarterback, an option quarterback at Georgia Southern. Uh, yep. I remember when he came out of the Senior Bowl, uh, went down there, and didn't Georgia Southern? he was there beat somebody big I, I, I seem to remember that they they had a major upset yeah, when he was there I, I, can, I can look that up for you and I, um, and I can't remember who it was yeah they, they, they ran the triple option uh, back then um and uh, it was he was a dynamic playmaker for them. And I remember when he came out, it was all right. Well, what, what can this guy be? Is he going to be a receiver? Is he going to be a, 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 a running back? Um, yeah, I got nothing in terms of who they upset back all the way back. They then, did, but, but it was somebody big. Um, so uh, you know what? It might have been Florida. Actually, I think I just uh, it was I think Florida. I just, I just closed the tab. It was Florida. Yeah, it was I, I think it was. Yeah, yeah I believe I believe yeah. that's it. Um, so, uh, with that in mind, you know, being able to contend uh, with Jarek McKinnon, with Isaiah Pacheco, uh, everything with that run game, they're doing a lot better uh, with Mahomes under center. It's not just shotgun run game. Right. So, getting him under center, um, which that was a, a little bit of a topic of a conversation going into the AFC title game, was Mahomes with that ankle. Could, how much was that going right, to be a factor right, right. with him be, uh, being able to hand the ball off from under and his center? His ankle's going to be better for the Super Bowl. I know that's the thing. Is you're, yeah. not, you're not necessarily counting on that. Here. No, um, Ronald. Jones also in that backfield has not been a huge Doesn't factor play for much, them. No. Yeah, Michael Burton is the fullback. You'll see a little bit of him as well. Um, but it's it's largely McKinnon, Pacheco, um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, injured reserve. Uh, and those multiple factor. tight ends. Those multiple tight ends. And, yeah. and the, the likely uh, league MVP and uh, a guy that's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer when it's all said and done in Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, no, he's, he's a pretty good player. That said, can we real quickly wrap this up with uh, another really intriguing, intriguing matchup here from this game? Sure. we got to talk trenches, no, that Chiefs O-line, which was completely remade going yes. into last year, 2021. It was a new-look group by the time they faced the Eagles in Week 4. All, I'd never really seen anything like that before where it was literally five new starters from 2020 into 2021. It's been adjusted a little bit uh, here this year with uh, Andrew Wiley stepping in at right tackle, um, but Orlando Brown uh, at left tackle, Joe Thune at left guard coming over from the Patriots, Creed Humphrey, a second-round pick Good now player. in his second year out of Oklahoma, and then Trey Smith, who they got all the way in the sixth round due to some medical concerns coming out of Tennessee. Um, Trey Smith is like Brandon Brooks, like big, strong, powerful mauler up front. Uh, you mentioned Humphrey. Humphrey is really, really good. He's a good player. He's, really, he's athletic. He's strong and powerful. He's really, really smart. And then Joe Tooney, uh, he's been a good player for a long time. He's just a good player. He was on that now, Super Bowl. He was on the team the Eagles beat in the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl 52 with the right. Patriots. Now, I, you know, I would say that their tackles are, you know, I don't know if I'd say they're a weakness, but I think the interior guys are better. 
I would agree that that interior, the, the, honestly, that interior three is as good as it gets in the league. Yeah, that's, a, that's a really good really interior good. three. You know, Brown is solid because he's so big, but I don't think he's particularly quick. Yep. You know, I don't think he has really light feet. Yeah. And you know, one could argue Wiley is 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 the weakest link. Right. So um, again, we're talking about that right tackle. Yeah, with, yeah, with exactly. Hassan Reddick. That's yeah. the matchup to watch. Yeah. Right. Um. That's. That's interesting. That's, that's, that's something that can certainly no have a huge impact on this game. But, yeah, Hassan Reddick has proven the last two and weeks. Then, but then in this particular game, then you have Mahomes' movement. Yes. I mean, Mahomes has such a great feel. You know, Mahomes is a quarterback that really understands how to camouflage and compensate for any O-line issues. Yep. You know, he has such a great feel for movement, great feel for where people are, and, and make throws. As we know, mm. he can make off-platform throws. Yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, look, there's. it's almost like a moot point trying to even like break him down because he's He's been just so lights out. Um, really, really impressive. He could attack all three levels. His ball placement, oh. his escapability, yeah. uh, the arm strength, the arm talent is just—it's out of this world. He's no, just he's a great, great, he's a great player. player. Um, you know, it's a big, big test. Uh, so, yeah, for, the, uh, I mean, Jonathan defense. you know, it's funny. You look at this game and you start to think, oh, maybe high scoring game. And you never know how games are going to play out. Yeah. Um, but it seems that way. It feels like it could be right. similar right. In, in that way. And that it, from what we saw in, in Super Bowl 52, where right. uh, this could go high scoring on both sides. Which would make it a lot of fun. Make it a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll certainly be talking about it here in the coming weeks. Uh, Greg Cosell, not sure if we'll catch up with you here on the show uh, before the Super Bowl, but appreciate your input as always here on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Great stuff from Greg once again. Uh, thanks to him and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you later this week.